What are your guys' thoughts on Shallan right now, like in the story? After you've, at the end of part four here, you've, uh, you've seen these flashback chapters. You've seen what she's been through. She's confronted Kaladin. Kaladin's gained a lot of respect for her. What are your guys' just honest thoughts on Shallan before we get into part five? I think my biggest thought is with her and Pattern, right? So Pattern's whole thing is lies and truth and all that. It makes sense why he would be attracted to her, in a sense, like why Pattern would come to Shallan, because we've seen how deep, I guess, the emotional scar is there, like how much trauma and pain there is. Right. Um, how many secrets are needed to be kept. Not just with this, like the whole family is just a, a mess in all honesty. Um, which is just really like an interesting dynamic and like kind of deep. And you wouldn't know that unless we had these backstory chapters. Um, but Shalon's character definitely has grown on me uh, throughout our reading so far. Like a lot. Um, it's kind of like a respect I have for her now. Um, she's instead of her just being some like whimsical, like smart aleck girl, um, right? There's like a whole, a whole other like emotional depth there, and it's almost like a great feeling of sorrow for her. Um, mostly it's that, like, that's my biggest feelings about Shalon right now is like a deep, like sorrow if that's like because of all this that that we just learned yeah i think at this point in the story i just really want to give like shallan the big old like i just feel like she she needs somebody in her life mm -hmm. to to help her get through this i have a uh, way more for what she's been through and kind of how what why why she deals with the demons that she does uh, now we know why now we know just how dark her past is or was and yeah i you hit the nail on the head paul i'm feeling definitely some a lot more sympathy for shallan now and yeah a lot of just sadness i, I wish that someone could just give her a big big hug yeah, um, for every time I said I didn't like Shalon in the first book, I take it back. I'm if Shalon, if you're watching, I'm very sorry. <laughs> I'm <kidding. laughs> I I said all the way through the Way of Kings that Shalon is one of my favorite characters, but mm -hmm. I think her Way of Kings uh, yeah. uh, parts are lacking, and so it's it's entirely different. It's just entirely different because we just see the like. The smart aleck, like... Coping, Shalon. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, so it's very different. It puts things into perspective and stuff. And the very next chapter, chapter 74, Kaladin and Shalon share the majority of their stories with each other. They leave both leave out very specific you know, Spren and other, other na some names and stuff. Cause at the end of this, 
it dawns on Kaladin that he killed Helleran. And he's mm-hmm. wondering to himself, wait, did I just tell her that I killed her brother? I don't think I did. But it dawns on him that he's like, oh, wait, I killed her brother. Oops. And, uh, yeah. he, but he didn't tell that to Shalant. So both of them have very practiced facades here because Kaladin is used to being, you know, strung up in high storms and being locked in prisons for, uh, for say- telling the truth about his past. So he leaves out specific details now and Shalon is used to lying to herself, let alone everybody else, uh, about her past. So she, she, she shares, but she doesn't share as, as honest as she does to her, like to pattern and stuff like that. So they, they do have a bonding moment, but they're not, that they're not sharing everything as they, you know, as they go through this. I want to say right quick. Well, okay. I kind of want to just take like one chapter step back. Well, one Kaladin, Shalon, current day chapter step back and kind of just highlight the the relational growth that happens really quick. Um, mm-hmm. So the biggest thing is that Shalon starts to talk to Kaladin about all this stuff. Like she has a shard blade and I don't know, all this crazy stuff. It's just kind of dumped out there really quick um and stuff and then they're up front confronted by the chasm fiend and they kind of just have to work together there's all the surge binding shulon creates an illusion all that stuff kaladin's really confused um and just that one kaladin effectively offers to lay down his life in a sense for shulon there in that moment um Standing up to a chasm fiend is basically suicide. Right. When you have a shard blade that does change, as we see. Um, but effectively, to do that, you have to be ready to lay down your life. We know it's Kaladin, plot armor. He's not going to die, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's like a really deep sentiment. Um, and then also, like, afterwards, well, Shalon not only, like, not just running away, but helping and... Also afterwards, like cutting him out, doing a lot of like work to make sure Kaladin is safe because he's basically severely wounded. Um, there's just kind of like a ton of growth there between their characters. Um, and they finally stop insulting each other, probably, even though Shalon still does. Like she can't not. Right. But they kind of stop insulting. I don't know. They kind of have their little heart to heart cuddled up in their little um cave in the side of the chasm um and stuff and it's kind of so i'm not a fan at all about all the like romance stuff don't care like (laughs) honestly leave it out but but this was kind of sweet like this was like (laughs) kind of cool if i had to pick a favorite so far it definitely would not be delinar navani i get, get me out of those those chapters but this was like it, it 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 was different. Like this yeah. was, you know, kind of different. They were kind of on the the verge of death, and it was kind of kind of sweet how they took care of each other and all the stuff. Like very selfless, right? Um, so I was I was a fan. All right, important question for both of you. At this point in the story, do you ship Kaladin and Shalon, 
or Adolin and Shallan at this point? Important question. I'm not going. This is highly. I'm not going first. This is contentious between <laughs> in, in the Stormlight fandom at this point. Like, obviously, you don't know later mm-hmm. books and everything like that. But right now, after this chasm scene, is is this Kaladin Shallan ship material? Uh, <laughs> I I'm definitely Team Adolin. Okay. At, at this point. I, I think that while while I agree with Paul that this moment is very sweet and sentimental here and they are caring for each other. They they, they don't even really like each other, but they're willing to they're willing to die for each other, willing to protect each other. And it it is a very powerful moment between the two of them. And I think their relationship's gonna be forever changed going forward. That being said, I don't know that i think that kaladin and shallan are a good fit for each other right i i don't see that working very well uh like in the in the future while while the bantering is cute and it's it's funny it i i don't know that a a very powerful relationship that makes i don't know I really don't know, but I think that Adolin is a better fit for Shallan. I'll just leave it at that. So I, I'm glad. I'm very glad Elliot has this point of view because <laughs> I'm definitely shipping Kaladin and Shallan. <laughs> okay. Because, okay. Because, because <laughs> so I, I just can't get it out of my mind. The like stereotypical like movie like underdog. We hate each other, but. Things go on, things go on, you know, whatever, whatever. The enemies and to lovers effect. trope, yes. Yes, the it. enemies to lovers trope. Um, I just have to go with it. Um, logistically or realistically in their world, it makes no sense um, right. because Shalong kind of needs the relationship with the Colins um, to kind of pull her family out of the mud at the moment. Um so logistically, it makes no sense. But I'm going to assume that going forward, there's you know a whole war that's going to happen with Parshendi. And I'm just going to make the assumption that things are going to change. And that's not going to matter at some point. And so I'm shipping Kaladin and Shallan. It's definitely, yeah, enemies to lovers trope. Like, Adolin's cool. I really like them together. But I'm getting almost like the jo- the cool jock versus like the underdog vibe, <laughs> right? <laughs> the, like the, the, the high school, the high school the quarterback, uh, versus, yes, yes, the quarterback versus the like nerd. the yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of the the vibe I'm getting here. Like yeah, Adolin's the cool, handsome guy, and uh, and so they're gonna start out together. But then it's gonna be like the the relational growth there with Kaladin. So yeah, and I would not have said this before these chapters. It really sprung it on me in like the blink of an eye, this whole thing. So, yeah, yeah. So I s- support what's this one? Shaladin? Or is uh, it Kalan? It's Shaladin. It's Sh- okay. I was Sh- gonna say if it's Kalan, I'd be disappointed. I think it's Sh- Shalon. Shal- I don't know. Remember Shaladin. <laughs> My my tw- my Twitter friends can help Shana- me with this one later. Shalonaladin. <laughs> Shalonadin. All right, I do want to. 
Uh, so in chapter 75, we've already talked about the Amaram Dalinar uh, talk. Right after, you, Elliot, you read a little bit in this chapter, and right after what you read, I just want to read one of my favorite. It's a very small moment, but um, it's, it's, a, it's a nice Dalinar moment for me, and I'm going to read it. Um, Amaram is talking to Dalinar, and uh, it, it cuts off a Amaram's dialogue, and it starts with this. Uh, Bright Lord, a, br- a breathless young woman in a messenger uniform, narrow skirt slit up the sides with silk leggings beneath, scrambled up to him. The plateau! Yes, Delinar said, sighing. Sadius is sending out troops? No, sir, the woman said, flushed in the cheeks with, from her run. Not, I mean, I mean, he came out of the chasms. Dalinar frowned, looking sharply towards her. Who? Stormblessed. And then there's a pause. Dalinar ran the entire way. I, I, I just love that one sentence that starts with that next scene. Because he, I, it's such a cool movie moment here of somebody coming up to, to Dalinar and saying, Kaladin's back, and he drops everything and just starts running towards uh towards the chasm where he knows Sigzil and uh and and Teft were like two chapters ago. I th- I think it's such a cool cool moment for Dalinar and Brandon Sanderson's a great writer. And the the ensuing scene when he gets there too is is equally epic. I yeah. I really enjoyed that moment too when Dalinar runs all the way there and then Kaladin's epic speech of, you know, we made it. And remember that uh, chasm fiend that was bothering you? Took care of that for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drops the gem heart at his feet. And then and then Shalon tries to cover it up. She's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We, we didn't actually kill the chasm fiend. It was dead when we found it. She's trying to cover it up. Kaladin has nothing to hide at this point. He doesn't care. He's just happy to be alive, so he's just there with the gem heart. He is. He's like, while while these odds are already astronomical, like we'll just drop this one in there too, and stuff. And I thought it was really funny and also pretty fitting. Yeah, Shalon starts covering it up. Like, no, 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 we found it. It was already like a rotting corpse, so like we were able to pull the gem heart out. If it wasn't, like we wouldn't have been able to. And Colin's like. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then and then Dalinar pulls Kaladin aside and says, You've been what I've you're what I've been looking for, aren't you? You're you're a knight's radiant. And Kaladin has to answer, uh, sorry, no, not not maybe I once was, but not anymore. And it's a very, very sad ending to our part four here. I have one question for y'all, mostly because I didn't really get it. I definitely need to go reread this chapter because I didn't get it, and it seemed really important. Kaladin tells Dalinar to go talk to Shallan. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what that was about. <laughs> like, what was he supposed to talk to her about? <laughs> like, that's really important, I'm sure. And I just missed it, so. So we actually and kind then... of skipped over it. We haven't talked about it yet. But on on the way back through the chasms, 
Shallan has an epiphany moment, and sa- and as she's mapping out the chasms, she says, "Wait a minute. the The planes are symmetrical. Whatever broke the planes had cymatics in it, and it's traceable. It's it's symmetrical. You can figure out where the center is based on." the top half and the bottom half of the left side. So she, she's mapping it out, and Kaladin's like, no, that doesn't go there, that goes there, because he's seen it from above. And mm-hmm. Shalon's like, wait, how do you know that? And Kaladin says, well, they're symmetrical. And then Shalon has a, oh, I know where the middle of the planes are, because she now knows that they're symmetrical. So that's what Kaladin told Dalinar to go talk to her about, It's because Shalon knows where the center of the planes is. So, uh, there's a whole there's a little bit of dialogue between Shalon and Dalinar at the very end of this chapter, and Shalon says, "You have to take me with you," and Dalinar says, "Okay, great. I need you to come anyway." So, uh, so Shalon knows where it is, and that's what Kaladin was was telling Dalinar. Okay. And and that revelation is pretty big, right? I mean it, it, that it tells you that if 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 Shalon's on the right track here with the whole cymatics thing and the 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 sound vibrations that form the shapes in the sand that we saw that means that something happened at the center likely at the center of the shire plains and kind of emanated from there creating this pattern as it went and this is the same perhaps source that maybe some of the cities of Roshar were shaped by, right? Because we right. we saw in that chapter where we first talked about cymatics, Capsules walking us through it, and he explains, you know, all these major cities, Kolinar, Vadenar, or the whole list of cities are that uh, that have these patterns that you can see in the sand when he does this. If the Shattered Plane are another version of one of those patterns, perhaps what created those cities or also created the shattered planes or some version of you know cosmic event that caused that to happen also caused the shattered planes to become shattered perhaps world building that's Indeed. deep literally or worlds destroying i guess in this case Something like that, yeah. World breaking. Yes. Speaking of breaking, uh, we can start wrapping up this episode. And Elliot, I believe you have a part four theme that you would like to wrap up on if you're ready for that. I I do have a theme, as always, for the part can we go back and hit one thing real quick that we that we skipped over? Sure. I also have something to add before we go to the the summary. Sure. As well. Okay. Yes. I wanted to go back and hit real quick. It, it actually happens in chapter seventy two. We we mentioned it a little bit uh, in passing, but we didn't dwell on it. Kaladin is going to go out and fight the Chasm Fiend, right? Shallan summons her shard blade, which awesome moment right you know kaladin i just imagine kaladin's eye wide like what you know just like we did the first time we learned that shallan has a shard blade he touches the shard blade right does not 
keeping, which I think at this point we we know perhaps why that's the case. The fact that he's doesn't have this bond with with Syl anymore. Looking at that from a different perspective, and now really asking the question that I think we may have brought up before, but I want to ask it again. If Kaladin's bond with Syl is the reason why he hears screaming when he touches a shard blade, why does Shallan not hear screaming when she touches her shard blade? Yeah. Why is she able to wield that shard blade if it's the bond with the spren that causes you to whatever that screaming is, hear the screams of the dying spren of the original night radiant or, or whatever it is. Why does Shalon not hear it? That, that is a question really burning at me right now. Paul, you always have good thoughts and theories. <laughs> any, any gap? Can you, can you help me out here? So my biggest, like where my go-to thought is with this is the honor spread versus our cryptics they seem very very different that's true. we've seen still like every time there's a shard blade or anything like that she like hates it like get get that thing away from me i don't like it we don't fully understand why but we just know she doesn't like it we haven't seen that with pattern from our understanding pattern is like I don't know. He's like the bad boy of spread. You know, he's like, <laughs> tell me a lot. Like, let's lie about things. Like, let's do whatever. Let's deceive people, stuff like that. Um, not necessarily with bad intentions that we've seen, but, you know, almost, almost like a letter of the law versus spirit of the law thing. I feel like pattern is like, all right, we just need to get our goal accomplished. Let's do it however we want. Sale is like, no, no, no we had to do things in a proper upright way. I feel like it's almost like a, something like that. So that that's the only thing I could think of. There would be like, it's not just because you have a bond with a spren. It's because yeah. you maybe have a bond with a certain type of spren or something. Yeah. Um, that's my only thought about it. That does make sense. The only two theories that I could come up with are, are very far fetched and I don't really like either one of them. I like what you're thinking about with the difference between the spren. I was thinking kind of too. I was actually wondering, maybe a little crazier. What if we we're theorizing again, completely guessing on very sparse evidence that perhaps one of the orders of Knights Radiance betrayed the other? What if that order was the one with the cryptics, and so the cryptics aren't tied to like this betrayal, perhaps in the way that like other spren are. And so maybe, you know, Syl is so traumatized by what happened to her people and pattern doesn't have that trauma because his people weren't the ones that were betrayed somehow. Again, super far-fetched. I don't know if I like that, but into it. The other one's even more far-fetched, but not quite as earth-shattering. Shallan's shard blade is described a little bit differently in this section, actually. Kaladin notices that there's like this light emanating emanating from her shard blade he notices there's like these patterns and he specifically says i've never noticed before that's different so perhaps shallan's shard blade is different I mean, we've theorized that perhaps zeth's shard blade is a bit different than other shard blades maybe shallan's is as well maybe the reason that shallan can wield it is because it's not actually like a traditional shard blade perhaps 
I, I again kind of playing off of a, a one-liner in this chapter that Calden thinks so I don't know if I really want to put a lot of eggs in that basket really I'm really confused by this why Shalon is not hearing this when she touches her blade yeah that can also make sense because we've theorized before about these different shard blades like if it wasn't like one of the shard blades that was involved in the betrayal like we theorized that Kaladin could wield that right like that would be okay and so Mm -hmm. we're kind of theorizing that he may get one and that'd be really cool and all that stuff so maybe that's the case with this one and we just don't know that yet we haven't found out how she got her short blade or anything so that's still kind of up in the air yeah so i kind of like that one that was it that was what i wanted to go back to okay my the only thing i want to say before we wrap up this is kind of going back to your question of like how does this part four compare to part four in the way of kings yeah Uh, i think my biggest I would say I have two complaints. I don't want to call them complaints, but I guess they kind of are um, on this part four. Mm-hmm. One is, so in, in The Way of Kings, it was, like Elliot mentioned, it was like the ending of like a kind of a big struggle. Things kind of happen. And then part five was kind of almost like an extended interludes almost. Right. Um, like headcanon things. And they kind of just blow your mind. This, I'm assuming there's still going to be more to be like unraveled in part five storyline wise. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of things that are, are cooking and are not like resolved now because we've kind of gone through like the whole Shalon with the ghost bloods thing. What else? Um, Parshendi, like storm form. Don't forget um, about Shen or Lane. Yes. Where did she go? Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. That I guess I didn't even think of that as a major one, but that's still pretty big. Um, the all the stuff with Sadius, like I'm assuming that's going to come up because we know that I guess someone from Sadius's camp snapped this bridge, and that's how Shalon and Kaladin got into this mess. There's the whole Amram and, stuff. and mm-hmm. the Herald thing. Like, where's mm-hmm. that going? There's a lot of there's a lot of fishing lines out there, and I feel like we need some of them need to like be resolved and i feel like we haven't really got this just like threw us into a random new like conflict struggle and we haven't really had anything like of that nature be resolved yet and i feel like there's too many loose ends at the moment i felt like there are too many loose ends for this to be like the pinnacle like conflict that's resolved because it's just kind of sprung on you right um so i guess that's my big thought about our, our wrapping up part four but I, I'm I'm speculating that part five will. I feel like it should at least touch on something. There's way too much stuff out. We haven't even seen like Shalon hasn't even gone to like draw Amaram's shard blade yet. That's something I've really been looking forward to. Did that happen? No, I don't think that's happened yet. That's Not something on screen I really at least. Mm-hmm. And that has to be shown, right? Like they can't just be like, "Oh yeah, she went and like it was fine." Like she she saw her brother's shard blade and cut kept it yeah. together and <laughs> drew a nice picture. Like yeah, this got to be shown, um, and stuff. So I, I feel like there's and also Moash with uh, Elokar. That was a major That's one right. I was thinking of. I feel like something's gotta be resolved. Something else has gotta happen, and so it's kind of leading that all to part five. 
anyways, there we are. Those are my thoughts. Elliot? Okay. I'll close this out with epigraphs after you're done, but go ahead. Good. Soapbox time. Time for a monologue. Here we go. Okay. Theme for part four. So we've wrapped up part four. Part four was was a lot of stuff a lot of stuff happening in this chapter, but I feel like a lot of the really meaningful stuff all happened in like these last five chapters or so. I took way more notes on these last five or six chapters than a lot of the chapters beforehand. There was just so much packed into it. So the the theme I picked is is very like heavy towards the back half of this uh, this part four. But the the theme I came to for for part four was brokenness. Just this this whole concept that we've talked about it already several times. This really powerful concept of being completely broken and being so damaged by the terrible things that maybe you've been through, but still being able to push on, still being able to bed in the morning and go about your day. And, And even more than that, as Shalon shows us, being able to be a light to others and bring joy to other people, despite the fact that you're carrying around such a terrible burden and and such brokenness that you that you have that is just such a powerful image that I feel like w- was the best summary I thought of this of this part is that that journey that Shalon has has gone on there for the terrible things she's been through the way she is so broken but the fact that she still pushes on and and the contrast of that to Cal where Kaladin's pretty broken too. We, we've seen his journey as well. He's been through some terrible stuff. He's been through what Amaram did to him. He's he's been through Tien's death. He's been through Sadius's bridge cruise. He's broken too, but he carries it in a very different manner. He carries it like a chip on his shoulder. He carries it like something that just kind of hangs over him all the time, and he 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 lets it darken him. He lets it get to him if you will a lot of the time at least and and shallan does it very differently and i I talked already about how maybe shallan's method of dealing with it isn't the healthiest but well to put a, a, a bright face on and she's able to not let it get her down and and not let it you know completely paralyze her and that's that's super that's super powerful that's super encouraging i think in in this part here and then Lastly, my last reason for picking brokenness is Ursil. I I think that she may be broken, and perhaps broken beyond repair. I'm I'm very hopeful that sh- she'll be back, see her again. But as as of this point, she she may be gone. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. All right, I want both of you to kind of dial back from Words of Radiance Part 4. And did either of you notice the epigraphs of Words of Radiance Part 4? Just quick, I just want a quick 10-second impression of these epigraphs. Uh, Paul, do you, were you paying attention to these epigraphs? It's okay if you weren't. I definitely was. I don't remember them well enough to really chime in. Okay. Um, I always do pay attention. I'm like, well, that's something important, and then kind of move on. And I, th- I think that's kind of the, being honest, probably the biggest 
flaw about listening to the audiobooks yeah uh, ra- rather than reading is because i feel like i don't fully get to take in the epigraphs but... i'm i'm about to read them all for you so okay uh elias any any first impressions before i read them yeah i they weren't as useful so we talked about some of the epigraphs before like you know, excerpts from Navani's journal and, and stuff like that that was very pertinent to the stuff we were reading about this was kind of back to another one that's like oh, okay yeah it's talking about the grander scale of things it, it's not relevant I, I kind of read it and move on um it was it was clearly one person you know writing it like a continued message to another person they seem to be rather related to each other um i'm trying to real quickly flip back through some of my notes because my my impression I, I came away with what was these is of someone writing letters to wit or writing messages to to wit. And, and I honestly can't remember why that's my my assumption of these. So I need to I need to go back and find out. Did we did we not have some similar epigraphs to this from Way of Kings? Am I remembering that wrong? You are not. So our epigraphs from part four of Way of Kings, I believe, are a letter from someone to someone and they mention the cosmere i'm going to read you each of these epigraphs in chronological order to as how they are given to you and i'll and i'm gonna say break um for whenever it whenever it breaks so like there might be content in between it there might not all right so this is starting at chapter 59 the epigraph i'll address this letter to my old friend as I, ha- as I have no idea what name you're currently using. Break. Have you given up on that gemstone, now that it is dead? And do you no longer hide behind the name of your old master? I am told that in your current incarnation, you've taken a name that references what you presume to be one of your virtues. Break. This is, I suspect, a little like a skunk naming itself for its stench. Break. Now, look what you've made me say. You've always been able to bring out the most extreme in me, old friend, and I do still name you a friend, but all that, but for all that you weary me. Break. Yes, I'm disappointed, perpetually, as you put it. Break. It is not the destruction we have wrought, is not the destruction we have wrought enough? The world you now tread bear, the world you now tread bear the touch and design of Adonalsium. Our interference so far has brought nothing but pain break my path has been chosen very deliberately yes i agree with everything you have said about rays including the severe danger he presents break however it seems to me that all things have been set up for a purpose and if we as infants stumble through the workshop we risk exacerbating not preventing a problem break rays is captive he cannot leave the system and has now and he now inhabits his destructive potential is, therefore, inhibited. Break. Where, wherever, whether this was, t- sorry, whether this was Tanavast's design or not, millennia have passed without Ray's taking the life of another of the sixteen. While I mourn for the great suffering Ray's has caused, I do not believe he, we could hope for a better outcome than this. Break. He bears the weight of God's own divine hatred, separated from the virtues that gave it context. He is what we made him to be, old friend, and that is what he unfortunately wished to become. Break. I suspect that he is more a force than an individual now, 
despite your insistence on the contrary. That force is contained and an equilibrium reached. Break. You, however, have never been a force for equilibrium. You tow chaos behind you like a corpse dragged by one leg through the snow. Please, hearken to my plea, leave that place, and join me in my oath of non-intervention. Break. The Cosmere itself may depend on our restraint. Any ideas? That's a lot. There was a lot. So my overall idea is I'm assuming that this is to wit. Okay. Um, just based off of the, like, I hear you're um, going by a name that's like based off of one of your attributes. I'm right. assuming that to be wit. But right before that, it talks something about like loyalty to a stone or something. So I was like, wait, is this Zeph? Like, is Zeph? Uh, my mind always goes there every time. <laughs> um, but then that was, I don't think that's true. It was basically like the next break, I think, was about the name. So I, I'm assuming this is to wit. I, I think my biggest question about it is who is Raze? We see that and we don't know, do we? Is that just like a name thrown out there right now? Yes, it is. So okay. here's a couple clues, and I will I'll, I'll throw these at you <laughs> while you think about this, and I'll throw it to Elliot here in a second. You're given the name Tanavast, who you have heard before. Oftentimes, the Stormfather calls Kaladin the son of Tanavast. He called him that in the same chapter that this lead that this. Uh, that this epigraph leads into chapter seventy four when, uh, he, uh, when he talks to him in the, <clears throat> sorry, in the high storm, he calls him son of honor and child of Tanavast in the same vision. Second, raise it says raise is captive. He killed one of the sixteen. Whether that was Tanavast's intention or not, we don't know, is what, what the letter says. What do we know about honor? He's dead. Why? Odium killed Odium me. Killed Odium me. has yeah. killed me. Mm -hmm. There you go. It doesn't help enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my initial thoughts with like a child of Tanavast, things like that. I just always think of the heralds. Yeah. Um. My guess is maybe Tanavast and Rays are heralds, and that's kind of my go-to thing because, as far as we know, those are like the named group where the names are important and they have lots of lots and lots of significance. Um, so that's my guess, but I don't get the, the 16, like killed one of the 16. I don't have a clue if I'm being honest. Elliot, make it make sense. <laughs> Definitely not going to do that for you, but I can, <laughs> I can process a little bit or spew some of my thoughts on it. The, the 16, yeah, that jumps out at me too. And makes me think that we're not talking about heralds because heralds is always 10, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's always 10. And so, or nine, mm -hmm. occasionally there's one herald missing, right, from a few random scene, 
never 16. So I, I feel like we're talking about gods, if you will, now at this point. Or I mean, sometimes the heralds are kind of compared to gods. We're at a level up from mm-hmm. heralds, I guess. We're talking about adenalsium and and honor and odin and and all of these you know that level so yeah it it, the implication does seem to be that perhaps rays and odium could be the same being that they could be the same thing there and perhaps rays and odium both you know killed one of the 16 are there 16 of these entities of these gods perhaps and and odium has has killed one and yeah not really not really sure beyond that more more really i mean i guess this is even more evidence piled on now the what's becoming a pile that wit is a player on the cosmic scale that we you know if if someone's writing to wit which i i think that's what's happening here uh, about this stuff then wit is clearly aware of of this and and actually this reminded me of something that we i didn't get to mention last episode it actually happens back in chapter 67 when dalinar is talking with wit and he you know dalinar asks him like are you a herald and and wit's like nope not a herald and he he talks a bit about like some sort of being he calls him the father of hatred and says you know i'm i'm hiding from the father of hatred or i'm fighting against the father of hatred the the same way you are or something like that that seems to be perhaps a reference to like these god level characters and so wit is clearly of a another group of beings that are not human by any means but yeah not sure i can help you more beyond that yeah, I think that's a good idea. I, I I would believe that. I don't know what else these sixteen could be, right? Other than some other like level of like gods or <clears throat> herald type things, you know? Uh, because it's like set in stone at this point that there are ten heralds. One was left behind, or whatever. All the drama there. Um, but yeah, sixteen is either something we don't know about at all, or this like yeah, cosmic playing field all right good stuff any any closing thoughts on episode 42 before we get into uh interludes next week i've drained all my thoughts (laughs) this was a very thought heavy episode there was a lot to out of these these chapters here this was pretty big there was a lot mm-hmm. i were i think my only other thought is where is the end of this book we're like maybe 150 pages away from from the end here so this is words of radiance fast like faster than way of kings did i it's a longer book but it it started out a bit slow, but once it picked up, it it's been moving. Like I feel like we've been really cruising through it, and and to see the the end of the book kind of approaching us is like, oh wow, already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we haven't gotten to our Sanderlands yet. I'll just say that. 
Oh dear. Whoa. <laughs> and okay. with that, we can. Wait, wait, I, I have one more thought. Yep. I just it just come up. Okay, this <laughs> isn't this. Sorry, it's just we're just gonna keep going. We'll just do this all night. Yep. Um. So th this isn't really. Uh, I guess semi apology. This isn't as much of like a thought about everything as more of like how I'm feeling about us reading this so far. This this episode we talked a lot about our characters development and history and things like that we learned a lot about our characters and we're kind of seeing how they're moving forward from their problem like personal issues which i really like yeah but i didn't even realize until the end there's so much significance on another scale this like you know there was the appearance of like the Stormfather kind of and this stuff with the epigraphs which i think is cool but I'll be honest and say that I'm way more invested in our characters at hand than I yeah. care about finding out about the other like realm of gods and things. Like honestly, I'm way more invested in our characters' development and stuff. Which that's the main. That's what it's actually being written about right now. So like, this isn't right. a complaint or anything. It's just my my thought. I'm really invested in that going into part five i don't know where they're gonna go there's about eight storylines that they could try to pick up on and <laughs> complete so we'll see what happens there you're just assuming that we're gonna wrap up some and not just open up more i mean true they could just <laughs> drop all of these and just let them simmer for a while and i mean they're basically doing that right now so what's gonna change zeth is just gonna show up again and it'll be fun and exciting and he'll kill yeah. amram by mistake and all of our problems will be solved yes amram and sadius will just be gone and yep. zeth will be like you're welcome and then become a good guy and the new protagonist and i'll be like yay fun i like zeth so <laughs> yeah that's exactly what's gonna happen and then kaladin and shalon will get together and all of Oathbringer in the books later are just What are like we waiting for? Let's the post, go. The post story. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Interludes next week. We will reconvene next week. Thank you for joining me, uh, Paul and Elliot, on part part four of Words for Humans. My pleasure. See you later.